Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined by Max Mallow, of course. And today we have our final review of Midnight Mass talking all about the finale, which is just so many emotions, so many things to talk about. And yeah, I'm sad we've come to an end, but maybe that just means I need to rewatch the show again. Yeah, um, I rewatched the finale this morning to prep for the episode. And definitely feels like sometimes I think some of our listeners like, did they forget something? Because we both have really good memories, but mm-hmm. we tend to not, you know, we tend to watch something, write up our script, and then go with the episode. This I wanted to rewatch and just, you know, make sure I was in the right mindset. And man, just sitting at my desk this morning watching this episode was just tearing me up inside because of all the, the different emotions that are just on display across all the characters and how this miniseries comes to an end. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. And I'm super excited to talk about this episode because it's definitely a fulfilling conclusion, I feel. Some might not feel that way, but I think we're both in the same boat that this ties up everything. There's some things that are left up to just viewers to and fans to discuss and theorize about, but there's a pretty, you know, succinct conclusion to it. And it's... Uh, yeah, like you said, super emotional. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I know you, so you've done, obviously, if everyone doesn't know, Natalie's just podcast extraordinaire here <laughs> at Fansided. So Natalie has done two other podcasts today, but I was telling her, like, you got to get in the mindset. Like, this is this is the finale of our show of the year, easily. Yeah. Um, so go listen to Natalie's other podcasts. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to be on other podcasts, but um, yeah. Super excited to talk about this episode with you. It's uh, it's crazy. It's so emotional. Yeah, and I think, too, just thinking back to it and kind of coming up with, you know, an outline of events that happened, there's so much that we can't skip, not only because it's a big event, but I think because by the, by this episode, we're so involved in every single character. Like, I care about every character, and I don't know if that's a common thing. I feel like usually um, my, like, critique of a show or movie would be, like, I don't care about these characters. Like, there's no stakes because I don't care. But with these ones, I'm like, every little small character, I need to know exactly what happens. And everyone has such, like, a complex and emotional journey that I think that's one of the best parts. Yeah, every character in the show is amazing. From the protagonists to the antagonists to the ones that are in the middle and you don't know where they lie it's um it's awesome to see how much time and dedication was put into crafting these characters by all the writers involved 
Mike Flanagan. It's just, um, honestly, the closest thing to a masterpiece, I think, that we've reviewed this year. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that we have the full episode to talk about just episode seven. Um, I think if we could have gone back and done one episode uh, per podcast, uh, that would have been good because there's so much that perhaps we didn't talk about uh, that some of our listeners uh, thought we might have missed. But, you know, uh, glad we're doing it for the finale because we can go through the entire episode and talk about everything without trying to cram other stuff in. But of course, at the end as well, we'll be able to talk about, you know, our full thoughts on the show and some of the theories and, and ideas that we've been hinting at and, and kind of, you know, foreshadowing a little bit in the rest of our reviews, because it's pretty ambiguous as to, you know, the, the whole mythology behind the show. So super excited to talk about all of that. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys and goes and listens to the rest of our review. If you haven't so far, if you're just seeing what our thoughts were on episode seven and you watch the show, go back and listen to it. Go check out our review, uh, our interview, I should say, with Crystal mm-hmm. Belint, who plays Dolly Scarborough on the show. Um, was awesome to talk to her as well. And not only am I emotional that we're going to be reviewing this episode, I'm emotional that our review of this whole show has come to an end. What are we going to do now? I know. Everything we review after this will be such a disappointment. I know. It's like... <laughs> It's when we were talking about this as well. Like we we're like, okay, the things we're most excited for this year. Everyone knows Halloween Kills was that thing, and we we're like, okay, we're gonna review this, and then we'll talk about Midnight Mass. But as disappointing as Halloween Kills was, this was everything we wanted from a release this year, and you know, it filled that void that now we know will be filled next summer or whenever it is. Stranger Things four. Super excited for that. Definitely going to review that on this show because that falls into some kind of horror-adjacent type of world. Um, But, yeah, Netflix, uh, I know we were very critical of them, uh, I want to say a year ago, Mm -hmm. when talking about, you know, the the lack of horror that they were having on their platform. And, um, man, this show, for me, just wiped all those worries away. (laughs) <laughs> restored your faith in Netflix. Yeah, the big N. The big red <laughs> N on that black box. No no more Amazon Prime for me. No more Hulu. None of that. Just just, just the big Netflix. <laughs> okay, so should we get into it? I don't know. I'm not ready yet. Seven. I'm so sad. Let's stall. <laughs> for. Uh, okay, so everyone knows we haven't done weekly horror news roundups for these episodes because we've had so much to cram in. So much to talk about, yeah. This will be the last episode without a weekly horror news roundup as well. Um, but yeah, let's do it. Book seven, Revelation. Revelation, yeah. And I like this show so much just because (laughs) we're getting into the finale, I promise. But one last thing about the finale is that every episode kind of takes place where the last one ended. So there's not a lot of time jumps, which I think is a good, um, a good choice on their part. So episode seven starts off right where episode six ended, um, Remember all the chaos that just happened at the hands of Bev and Pruitt. Bev opened the church doors, and now all of the dead people who have come back to life are ready to feed. They're zombie, vampire, religious things. Don't know. Apostles, I guess. I, You know, I'm not religious. So yeah. I don't know if apostles ever did anything like this. But maybe in some form of book they did. So it starts off where we left off. Mildred is the first person we see who, speaking of just characters you've come to love, I am so attached to her by the finale. Just seeing her journey of becoming younger again, 
and her relationship with Sarah. I just love her. So she awakens from the dead. We remember that the, the creature took her out last episode, which was shocking. Um, so she's back. But of course, there are implications because she came back from the dead. Um, and then we get to kind of see the chaos that Bev started by opening the doors. People are just eating everyone outside. And there's kind of like these two groups now. There's Bev and just everyone who had died and come back to life who are, for lack of a better word, kind of just going crazy, eating each other and, and causing chaos. And then we have kind of what I want to call like our survivors, the smart people that didn't drink the Kool-Aid. And they're kind of in this room trying to figure out how to stop everyone. And that's who we said last week. It was Aaron, Hassan, Lisa, Warren, Sarah, and Riley's mom, Annie. Right. Um, I want to mention, too, I love the uh, parallel between Mildred coming back to life and Pruitt coming back to life because that Mm -hmm. will be a big focus of this episode that we'll get into um, with how episode three ended with Bev holding John in her arms as he was poisoned, as we know, um, and came back to life, jumps up from uh, from off screen, same way Mildred comes back to life here at the beginning of the episode, and when she walks in, obviously John doesn't know what happened to her because she shot him in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very distraught. He's like, did it hurt you? You know, what's going on? Um, and he seems very emotionally torn over what has transpired tonight and um that to me and what his arc is for this episode cements to me that this is like one of the best tv characters i've seen ever um you know characters from the leftovers uh kevin and nora stand out to me as being some of my favorite tv characters of all time uh but Hamish Linklater did such a phenomenal job portraying this character and his arc is like masterfully written. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, the town is falling fucking apart. It's, it's going crazy. Uh, people are being dragged out of their homes and being eaten. Um, it's not how John, I think, you know, foresaw it in his mind where he was talking about those being chosen to follow in this new world. Mm-hmm. And the the people are just out of their minds. They're ravenous. They're hungry. They don't know what to do. Um, and that whole idea of being chosen has been uh, kind of put to the side. And it's d- definitely mentioned later on in the episode, which is great. Um, but yeah, our survivors, as you've called them, and I think that's an apt <laughs> name for them, uh, are trying to figure out what to do. Um, Aaron is definitely trying to figure out uh, alongside Sarah what the best course of action is since you know they they were teaming up to begin with. Um, and Sheriff Hassan as well. I feel terrible for uh, Lisa and Warren because their lives are falling apart. Lisa's parents are gone uh, to this this crazy mob. Um, and obviously uh, Ed, uh, Annie's husband, Riley's dad, Warren's dad, uh, is now missing because he got taken away at the church. And they're kind of just trying to figure out what to do. Like, what is our best course of action? Uh, but we're rudely interrupted uh, by Bev and Sturge because a Molotov cocktail just comes flying through the window. And it's definitely startling because I was not expecting this to happen. Um, but we get this awesome showdown uh, between Bev and Annie here as the rest of our characters try to flee. And 
uh, Bev is like bone chilling in this scene, and mm-hmm. Annie across from her is just like breaking my heart as she's being this decoy distraction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, another part of this episode for the survivors is they keep saying, like, we just need a few minutes. Like, we need to stall them. Um, I think, you know, they take out knives and guns and people are like, that's obviously not going to kill them. They're already dead. Um, But Aaron's like, no, we just need a few minutes. We just need to be able to stop them and, you know, distract them and get away. So I think that's, you know, exactly what's on Annie's mind when she goes out as a distraction. And Bev is, it is just so crazy because no matter what is going on with the angel creature blood and the religious aspects, Bev is just a villain. She is crazy, terrible person, and just like I think the villain of the show for sure, especially when we hear more about Pruitt and his background. She has no remorse, absolutely. And at this point, who is she following? Like Pruitt is over it. She's just like, all right, I committed. I'm just seeing this all the way through now. Yeah, the um, the idea of what this transformation uh, that happens in the show with all the characters is talked about in this episode a bunch. And we get a conversation with Ed and Annie later on. But the idea of the transformation doesn't necessarily change who you are as a person. It just mm-hmm. makes you immortal more or yeah. less and and what you do with that the whole idea of ravenous hunger and feeding um is kind of a side effect i would say because you know what we know from like vampiric media and stuff like that and knowing that when you first turn you know you're starving because your idea of sustenance is no longer you know hamburgers and and french <laughs> fries or something it's it's human blood so I love that dynamic that's talked about later, and we'll definitely talk about it because that conversation is super important. Um, but yeah, Bev is like, Aaron Green, come outside and talk to me. And Sturge, who's with her, uh, and I love Sturge in this episode, who definitely seemed like the lackey and the one who was carrying out a lot of the, the mm-hmm. wrongdoing, especially last episode. But there's a character shift in him in this episode that I love. And he's like, how do you know she's in there? And she's like, I know. And at this point, I'm like, yo, someone's got to get her. And it's Annie who steps up. Um, and she, again, is talking in this holier-than-thou type of vibe, but that's been amplified. And she's like, I have no uh, issue with you, Annie Flynn. And mm-hmm. Annie's just like, you know what, Bev, i got to tell you something that you've been needing to hear a long time. And I'm like, oh, what is she going to hit her with? Like, she's going to say something. And she just goes... You're not a good person. And, like, that seems to, like, startle Bev in some kind of way. Where you think that, you know, Bev's this immortal being now. Nothing really bothers her. Except for the sunlight, of course. Um, (laughs) And Annie goes on this uh, little bit of a a speech to to stall time, obviously. But the whole idea that she presents to Bev is what we're all thinking. And you see it, you know, play out in Bev's eyes. Is that... Bev can't stand the fact that God loves people just as much as God loves Bev. Mm -hmm. Bev wants to be loved by God more than anybody. And Bev then uses Riley as a way to get under her skin because she's saying, like, Riley was a drunk and a murderer. And and he's like, nope, God loves and forgives just as much. And, you know, that definitely drives Bev insane. 
But she doesn't, you know, let it distract her from her, you know, her calling. Because she's like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to let you know that what you just said fucking pissed me off. But she's stalling. Do something. And in that moment, Annie does the ultimate sacrifice by slitting her own throat with the knife. And that turns out to be the best distraction as possible. Um, because we know Annie obviously had, had drank the blood, so she was going to come back to life uh, regardless. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, ter- it's so sad to watch as she's like dying. Mm-hmm. And Bev is like, don't worry, you'll be back in a couple minutes. Everything <laughs> will be fine. And then her and Sturge both just like, oh, shit, she looks tasty. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was shocked that Annie did that. I mean, in retrospect, it does make some sense. She's trying to stall. She wants to save her son, Warren, who's in there, who's trying to get out of there. And, you know, her husband, Ed, there's no way he survived that mob in the church. So... I'm assuming her feeling is I'm going to go be with my husband. Hopefully this means my son can get out. He has his whole life ahead of him. So hopefully I can help him by doing this. But yeah, uh, that was shocking. Super shocking. Um, Fantastic scene, a drastic change. And I know, I think, I think some people might feel like that some of these character developments are jarring because last episode we saw Annie was like, Aaron, get the fuck off my perch, my porch and stop fucking assuming that my uh, son is dead. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, to now wanting to save her son. But, you know, it is a little fast in that aspect. Uh, I still think it works. I mm-hmm. still think um, a lot of the characters snap out of it in that whole yeah. church scene from episode six. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely heartbreaking to watch. But from there, we go back to Mildred and Pruitt, uh, who are hanging out at the church, and... This is the big revelation, so to say, of John and why he's here and why he did what he did coming back from Jerusalem. And watching this the first time, I was like, okay, you know, that motivation's a little silly. But watching it again this morning to prep for the episode, I was like, damn, like, I get it. I get you, Pruitt. Like, I understand why you did this. It's fucked up what you did. And I understand it got out of your control. Yeah. But, like, listening to to him, and especially Hamish, tell his entire story and how his arc finishes in this episode is fucking amazing. I agree. I love this part. I think it's so special. And I'm really glad that they included it and didn't just say, you know, Pruitt would just try to do something good, you know. No, it, it comes out that he did everything that he did. He snuck the creature over back to Crockett Island and lied to everyone, did everything that he kind of confessed when he was um, in confession that it was because he wanted to be with Mildred and Sarah. He wanted Mildred to live because, as we remember in the beginning of the season, she's not doing well at all. She has dementia. She has to stay on one floor. She's just very, very ill. So he wanted to save her and he wanted to be with her and Sarah and that's because way back when Pruitt and Mildred were in love and Sarah is Pruitt's daughter which I I didn't see it coming and I really I don't think it's cheesy I really like it yeah I don't think it's cheesy either um I like that aspect of it it's that this probably feels like the most rushed thing in the entire 
mm-hmm. show, I would say, because they have to kind of do this and wrap it up all in one episode. Um, but I still think it works as a motivation. Uh, I think Hamish does a great job, especially um, explaining everything. And then Mildred uh, and the way that she responds to it uh, and this whole idea throughout the episode of like judging people for what has happened is more or less like irrelevant. You know, it's it's Mm -hmm. more do you forgive the person for the sins that they've committed? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very powerful theme to kind of take place throughout the, the, the entire finale. Um, and, and yeah, it's a crazy reveal, uh, that, uh, that Sarah is in fact his daughter. Uh, of course, I think I say, of course, you know, priests aren't allowed to have children. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't think they are allowed, but obviously it can happen. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) It's physically possible. I just don't think you're supposed to. Wouldn't be an episode of our midnight mass (laughs) review without questions about religious (laughs) factors. Um, yeah, I don't, cause they're not allowed to be married. Right. Um, but it explains when, uh, at the potluck way back that John was like creepily staring at her and was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, the old priest used to do that too. This is when he was still father Paul. Yeah. Um, and that explains it because he was watching over her and making sure that she was safe instead of what, um, cause I think she, she teases a relationship a little bit, I think in the show. Yeah. Um, she had a woman with her at that right thing, that event. Yeah. And the woman was like, oh, you know, from I, the mainland. Yeah. The, the priest is checking you out. You know, he thinks you're committing a sin, uh, mm-hmm. against the church. And she's like, hmm, that's weird. He, you know, the other guy used to stare at me all the time, too. I guess they're both just homophobic. (laughs) Um, Or just creepy. Right. Um, But it comes from a place of he was he was her father, unbeknowingly to her. Um, And yeah, Yeah. it's uh, it's a big part of the rest of this episode as well, because it it kickstarts Pruitt's redemption, more or less. So I I don't want to say redemption, but his his. his arc of forgiveness among the people that he loves. Yeah. I feel like it's his redemption just because now we know why he did everything. It's not like he does anything after this. That's like, I'm going to set things right again. It's just like, now we know where he's coming from. So it's like, okay, that makes more sense. I do really love that. The his motivations, because it kind of just goes back to what we keep saying every episode about these characters doing things just out of blind faith because their loved ones are getting better and you know for him to not know what he was going to be sacrificing he doesn't know what damage this creature could bring to crockett island but it didn't seem like it mattered compared to the fact that he might have mildred back and he might have just a moment of living a life with his love and his daughter And that's just, it's just so humanizing for him, for someone that seemed so out of this world and and scary at times, evil at times, confusing at times. I think this is where we really look at him and think, okay, I understand that. Yeah. I think Alex Esso, I hope I pronounced her last name correctly, who plays Mildred, um, Mm -hmm. you know, does a great job at just being there to, like, take on all the emotions that mm-hmm. John is emitting and 
I think as the viewers, we all need to know that they loved each other for decades. Like they've mm-hmm. been in love for a long, long time. So that might seem like it's a little jarring at some points for viewers, but just remember to take that on board. Um, because, uh, yeah, the scenes that they have together for the rest of this, uh, this finale are super emotional. Um, but yeah, from there we go back to, uh, all hell is breaking loose. Chaos. Yeah. Straight up chaos. Um, because, and we probably take our first break here, uh, Bev and Sturge are, uh, they're, they're going crazy, uh, with some, uh, some fire. Yeah. I just, I mean, evil, at least for Bev, but yeah, let's take our first quick break and then we'll be right back. So yeah, Bev is, like you said, Sturge is very much just her lackey. She's like, do this, do that, do that. So they're burning everything down. The idea is that they'll have kind of the church to be pure, right? And the rec center, we'll see in a little bit that uh, Bev is setting up just for people to sleep in because they can't be outside during the light. You would think, though, you might want to keep more than two places open just in case, but whatever, just whatever. And this isn't a this isn't a shot at the show. It's just at her. Yeah, the the hubris <laughs> is definitely coming out here. Uh, at this point, because they don't want more or less uh, anybody who hasn't been chosen to yeah. survive the night. And those who enter the rec center will be chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads to our survivors, uh, Sheriff Hassan, um, Aaron, Sarah, Warren, and Lisa, to mm-hmm. uh, kind of hatch a plan. Because they figure out that, you know, the boats are still there. They, they need to take the boats off of crocodile island and go to the mainland and that's how they will go off on this journey to shape the world in their eyes because if one person gets off mainland it'll be really really bad for everybody but also at the same time that angel thing was like living for a long time and you know nothing else crazy seemed to happen but that's nitpicking too much and i you know we like to nitpick but we're not gonna do it right now um so uh, Warren and Eliza, they head off to the Uppards to get into a canoe uh, in the kind of same way that Riley and Aaron did to, to survive the night, uh, to go into the water. While uh, Sheriff Hassan, Aaron, and Sarah hatch a plan to uh, get rid of all the boats. So as the boats are burning, uh, all the houses are burning, it's going to create this chaotic situation where there is nowhere to go. Because mm-hmm. while Bev and Sturge, like you said, are creating this haven for everyone who's been chosen for the, for the daytime... Uh, our survivors want to make sure that there's nowhere to go for them and they all burn to a crisp um, Mm -hmm. when the sun comes up. And we get this awesome shot as this is going on because, you know, there's a lot of big uh, aerial shots of the entire island as it's burning throughout the night. And when they're at the pier and they start torching all the boats, you know, you could see that it's all kind of leading to this entire island just being set aflame and, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll burn and whatever comes from it will be a new and et cetera, et cetera. It's an awesome shot. Um, but we also get this moment when they're, when they're trying to get to the, the pier to, to figure out this plan. Cause at first they're like, okay, cool. Let's get on the boats. Let's get the, let's get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they come across this woman who's being attacked by the angel. Like the angel just swoops into her house and starts eating her. Uh, she runs out and, it shows how crazy the town is because as she runs out, they just like pan the camera to these two people who are just 
feasting in the middle of the lawn and they're just like oh more food and i'm like this is terrifying like it's definitely like zombie apocalypse type of vibes where everything is falling apart around you uh and it gives uh, a good sense of how chaotic and and uh terrible this entire situation is yeah yeah absolutely it's funny because it's like it's very zombie like but the people are like they're able to speak they're they're you know human as well so it's like a weird like vampire zombie hybrid where i feel like vampires are more (laughs) i don't know sophisticated put together you know they're like real people they're just might be a little bit evil but then zombies are obviously brain dead um so it's funny that it's kind of this in between and it's hard because I'm sure you don't know who to trust. It's like people that you grew up with your entire life on Crockett Island. You don't know if what they are, who they are. So it's basically just like you can't trust anybody. And I think the next part, too, this is the one part that I just laughed out loud at because it was just a little bit strange. When Lisa and Warren are, they see the angel um, just eating on someone. <laughs> And Lisa is like, shoots it. And of course, Warren is like, oh my God, don't do it. Don't do anything. And she shoots it once. And like his um, wing is like cut and he's like reacts to it. And he like tries to like tell them to go away. He like, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it, but it just took me out of the moment. And I was laughing so hard to just think of this like creature being like, fuck off, go away. Like, yeah. Like imagine it's like your dog is like eating like say you have two dogs right i've had a bunch of dogs my entire life um and uh as soon as they get the food in front of them it's like snout into bowl don't disturb them while they're eating until they're finished don't bother them (laughs) like you could try to distract them with anything and they're just like nah i'm hungry i'm gonna eat uh and yeah it's a little weird um because just like if i was the angel I think if someone <laughs> shot me, I'd be like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and just attack the person. Right. There, There is some nitpicking there that we need to do. I agree. Um, but... Just, like, shoes them away. Just like, no, go, go, go. Right. Without and talking. I think that scene is in there just to foreshadow something else that happens later on in the finale. Um, mm-hmm. Which is... I understand it. Because, like, if what happens when we talk about it later on just was, like, out of the blue would be, like, that's really fucking weird. (laughs) Like, what the hell? Um, So Flanagan was, like, let's just do this now and get this out of the way so that it makes sense later on. Um, But, yeah, it's weird. The the, the awesome thing, though, about this leading up to it, um, and we mentioned, like, the character journeys and everything like that, right? Um, That whole idea that you were talking about of minutes continues to be pushed along. Mm-hmm. And at a point, Lisa and Warren go to Joe Colley's trailer, where it's for me like this whole big circle that has been completed in Lisa's life, where, you know, she was paralyzed from the waist down because of Joe and this gun, this rifle that's in his trailer. Mm-hmm. And she goes there knowing that that rifle will buy her more minutes of her life, which I think is beautiful storytelling. Mm-hmm. fantastic stuff um but yeah they use it in a way to shoot an angel and the angel's kind of just like bro what are you doing i'm hungry <laughs> like stop it um and then lisa has a uh, a better idea because she's like okay well if he's not bothered by gunshots 
I'm just going to throw a bunch of gasoline on him. Um, and even then, if I was the angel, I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, stop it. Um, and yeah, they, uh, they light the angel on fire. They go out of the house. Um, they throw a match, boom, fire. Um, I, I don't know what it is about Hollywood and stuff like that, but people love doing those like things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the angel flies out, uh, on fire. Uh, Warren and Lisa are definitely like, holy crap. Did we do it? Um, but comes along Sturge, and Sturge is like, Lisa Scarborough, your dad's looking for you. <laughs> and I'm just like, run. <laughs> like, get the hell out of there. Um, and they uh, they scurry away. But then we get uh, a, a family reunion. We get Annie, who has come back from the dead, obviously. Um, stumbles across Ed, who's just kind of been wandering across town, figuring out what is what's going on. Um, and this is where that humanity aspect that I talked about comes back to play because the conversation between them two is heartbreaking, but it's fantastic lore and explanation as to what's going on. Yeah, I I do. Even though I had like ups and downs with Annie, just I don't know them together in the end was just so sweet. Even though it's terrible because we don't know what's going to happen in the end, but they're dead. So not much good can come from it, but I feel like it was just so nice to see them reunite and kind of be like, we're whatever happens is just going to happen and we're going to do it together. Yeah. The whole idea of like, she's like, I'm starving. And he's like, I am too, but I'm still me. Like, I'm not going to do it. Um, I think is like powerful stuff and does a great job at, showcasing what this transformation is like you know it's not necessarily taking the humanity away from people even though it essentially is because Mm -hmm. they're they've defied death more or less um but uh it's uh i think a fitting ending for these two characters reunited to see what happens come sunrise uh considering that they both lost both of their kids um well they you know, for what Annie knows, she hopes he got away. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know one way or the other, but they both know that Riley died trying to, to make things right. So it's super powerful stuff. I, like, definitely started to tear up at this point mm-hmm. with this conversation. Um, but, you know, the tears don't stop there because it gets it gets even sadder and it gets even more depressing and... Uh, downright just straight up like grim Mm -hmm. and and i'm gonna say grim in like all the best ways because some of the imagery (laughs) that uh flanagan does for the rest of the finale uh and some of the script writing is like so emotional so thought-provoking um it's just uh it's yeah emotional we keep saying emotional but that's what it is Mm -hmm. it's i know it's so emotional I know it really is. And then um, after this, too, we get to see Bev reunite with Pruitt. The reunion we didn't need, but uh, it is necessary to kind of close, give us closure for their relationship because we do see Pruitt starting to come back around and Bev is still the same. We're wondering what she's thinking, who she's following. Um, but so she sets up the shelter in the rec center, kind of setting up beds in there. And then she heads to the church. Um, Pruitt is still there. 
And basically, he's like, you open the door. So, like, why did you do that? And he sees, you know, everything's on fire. She created all this chaos by encouraging these bloodthirsty people to go out and just do whatever they want. Um, and this is when Pruitt really does prove that he's not supportive of this at all. He says, you know, we got this wrong. This isn't what was supposed to happen. You know, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. But obviously, this is not a good situation. And Bev doesn't understand. Yeah, Bev is completely confused. She's like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what did I do? Yeah. And he, um, again, some of the dialogue that's delivin- delivin- delivered um, <laughs> from Hamish here is so good because he's very... He seems very anxious. He seems very out of control. He doesn't know what happened, even though he's been in control this entire time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he misses, I don't know, however many hours of, of action that he did because he was yeah. uh, shot in the head. Uh, and he's like, this is this is crazy. This is not what I wanted. Um, even though, you know, deep down, we maybe this is part of what he wanted. We just don't know how it could have, you know, played out in his view because he was dead um, yeah. for a couple hours. And uh, there's, I can't remember the exact line, but he, you know, he's very calm with his, with his tone, at least it, you know, it sounds anxious, um, but then he explodes at her and Bev being Bev (laughs) just immediately flips on him, which is exactly what we think Bev would do in this situation. She feels no emotion towards the people and all she's ever wanted to really be is in control and be the leader of everything because she mm-hmm. feels like she's been chosen. And she goes on this again, this whole idea of everything in the world can be explained by the Bible or something yeah. in the Bible was written and that it can be explained however I want to twist the words into that manner. And she's like, yeah, you know, Jesus said we shouldn't call anybody father on this earth. Because there's only one father, uh, and vipers brood, and some of the some of the the language that she used towards him, um, as you know, you can see that it's just utter chaos. And she's just like, okay, well, if you're not going to lead these people that I've created for you, mm-hmm. I'm going to lead them. It's my job now, uh, and you can, you know, rotten hell more or less. Uh, it's. Uh, it's crazy how the situation just devolves massively uh, yeah. in this episode. Yeah, she definitely doesn't want to take any blame from it. If you know Pruitt obviously has come to the realization of what we started did not turn out the way it was supposed to. We did something wrong, and she's just like, "Nope, you know this is everything is everything's happening because it was supposed to happen." And like you said, the Bible verse and everything like that. She can't ever just sit for a second and be like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, no, that's, my that's bad. not an option. Yeah, that the, was not an option. The words my bad have never left her mouth. Um, <laughs> or I'm sorry. Yeah, anything like that. Anything apologetic. <laughs> um, it is a, like, the first time I watched it, I kind of like chuckled a little bit because she's like, the Ark, the rec center, Noah, and I've brought you yeah. your people. And, what a, and Hamish, a Hamish, Hamish is just like, or John, I should say. I feel like I keep calling him Hamish. I'm like, yo, like, I want, we want to be best buds with him, basically, is what we're saying. Um, and he's just like, nah, we got this wrong. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like. He's so defeated. I know. He's just like, ah, oh, crap. I screwed up. 
Yeah, he's like, so this isn't chill anymore. Right. He's like, I got to be out. Like, this is, uh, I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Bev has taken all these people. We get the super ominous image as well of, like, the town burning behind them as they're walking towards the church. Mm-hmm. And all of these, um, you know, we criticized it a little bit. The glowy eyes. Yeah. Being a little silly as a special effect. Yeah. But it does give this, like, ominous feeling as they're all kind of aimlessly walking back towards the church mm-hmm. uh, and the rec center. And uh, John says, like, you know, no, we're the wolves. Like, you know, just roaming around, eating whatever we can. Um, which is, uh, I think, awesome script writing put to imagery in that sense. You know, it is a little strange as to, like, what the lights uh, or the eyes necessarily mean because we get a couple shots of characters throughout the season where or the the series where um you know they seem to see more of life more or uh-huh. less it's kind of shown cuz like lights emit more aura or something mm-hmm. like that it's very vampiric in that sense um but yeah i love i love that imagery with the eyes even though it's a little corny yeah yeah definitely i think it made more sense now just seeing everyone in a pack um and also when you know pruitt is is talking to bev at this point he's outside looking at everything that's going on so then he decides to go back in the church and that's when he sees sarah uh pouring gas all over the inside you know with with a plan to blow the church up as one does Hmm. and you know just a casual activity and you know we know now that he's her actual dad and he's able to say he's proud of her. It seems like they're going to have a very emotional moment. But before that happens, uh, Serge comes in and shoots Sarah. Yeah. Um, we get this scene um, that uh, or that comes right before this where like again the John's character goes through is a roller coaster throughout yeah. this entire episode. It's up, it's down, it goes through loop de loops. Um but Bev uh starts to judge the people that are coming to the rec center. Yeah. Where you can tell that she's like lost her mind and she's like <laughs> you know, she's like I it's thought personal at this point. Right. She's she's like, Okay, I'm in charge, I'm making the rules now. <laughs> um and there's this Howard Hobbs is his name. Uh, and he comes forward and he's, I feel so bad for this character. I think he was in the schoolroom when they were talking about the Bible and, and the Quran uh, a couple episodes ago. But I'm not sure. But he is just a townsfolk and I feel so sad for this guy because he is like, his life is over, more or less. Yeah. He doesn't know what's going on. He's like, I killed my wife. I killed my kids. I don't know yeah. what's happening. I'm looking for guidance. I'm here at the church someone guide me and bev is like i haven't seen you at church once and i'm just like yo bev like come on um and sturge starts to speak up and this is where all the dissent starts to sow between the group um because she's like why'd you turn him and he was like he was always really nice to me when (laughs) no one else really was nice to me more or less um and she's like it's fine it's okay. We'll talk about it later. Um, but, yeah, she's like, I don't know if you're allowed, man. Like, you're not on the list. Like, who do you know here? 
like it's very it's very sad to watch because he's his uh his entire life is is uh coming to a head in this moment um and in that moment john just finds a renewed sense in faith because he's just like anyone who is welcome here to house of god if not why would it be i'm john pruitt <laughs> um and yeah that's when he walks in and he sees sarah and that's when sturge comes in and shoots him uh her sorry um and yeah it's uh it's so sad uh but yeah. it's also a little rushed at this point i would say because again this whole love angle and the whole uh secret child more or less um mm-hmm. was just kind of dropped on us as a bombshell this episode um because john's just like i wish i got to know you more i'm really sorry and sarah at this point i think again this is the whole idea of judgment and and uh and um redemption and all that stuff i don't think it necessarily matters like as viewers we can do that mm-hmm. uh, and judge characters and if, if they're redeemed or not but this art this overarching idea of just like in the moment in your final like moments of life do you forgive the person for the sins that they've committed and sarah's mm-hmm. just like yeah i wish i got to know you more too and yeah it's just like a moment that we were like oh like great like the family's gonna be re- reunited in the end and then sturge yeah. is just like boom <laughs> And he's like, sorry, I thought I was, like, saving the day. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I know. Yeah, that was tough. I mean, all things considered, like, Pruitt and um, and Mildred are dead, undead, whatever it is. So we don't know what's going to happen to them. But at least we thought maybe Sarah would have an out somehow. But no. Unfortunately, that's not the case, and obviously Pruitt is heartbroken, very angry at Serge for doing that, and it kind of just is what it is, and let's keep moving, because there's a lot of shit happening and a lot of people dying. Speaking of which, um, now that Hassan and Aaron have moved to the rec center, it seems like they've split up, so Sarah was going to the church, right. Bevan and, or sorry, Aaron and uh, Hassan were going to the rec center. So they're pouring gas all over the the building, but they get caught pretty quickly by Bev. Um, Bev sees Hassan pouring gas and she shoots him in the leg pretty fast. And he, I feel like it's so interesting because we talked about his monologue, right? Where he said, I don't want to get involved. I need to be nice and like pleasant, not scare people because it's, you know, my experience that I just had after 9-11. I don't want that anymore. And after Ali is involved and, you know, drank the Kool-Aid last episode, I think he gives no fucks about that anymore because after Bev shoots him in the leg, he just keeps shit-talking her to the point where she shoots him for real. Yeah. Um, he says a badass line uh, where he's like, you know, there's always this verse in the Bible that I really, really liked. It was like, the sun will rise on the evil just as it does the good. Um, and, you know, foreshadowing that the sun will rise, it all burn to a crisp. Um, and she, like, in, like, this is where, I don't want to say, like, Bev's villain hood is, like, is, like, cemented, but it, mm-hmm. it definitely drives it home because yeah. she's saying some extremely, uh, you know, uh, racist, uh, xenophobic, Islamophobic things 
to him of being like, I, I bet you wished we were all in the building and stuff like that. Just awful things. Um, yeah, that have no connection with anything, really. Right. It just like uh, just shows how awful and evil of a person she is. Um, and when he says that line too, like the first shot was to stop him from yeah. burning the building down. The second shot was just because she wanted to do it anyway, because mm-hmm. he said she, he called her evil and she just like does it nonchalantly too. She's just like bang. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like super, uh, just evil, just like rotten to the core, uh, of her, of her, uh, character. And, uh, yeah, it's like we all knew along. We kn- we knew all along that she uh, didn't like uh, Sheriff Hassan for his beliefs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, again, Samantha Sloyan does an am- amazing job at portraying this character. Um, but yeah, the the two buildings that are left, the church and the rec center, those are the arcs. Um, Mildred walks in, and obviously because uh, John like tackled. Sturge out of the church and they rolled down the stairs um, and Mildred's like what 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 happened um, and she goes in she sees that uh, Sarah was shot and as she's dying John tries to bring her back to life and this is very vampire imagery here you know biting of the wrist trying to feed her the blood and she's yeah she spits it up she's like no I don't want it like this is where I'll die and this is this is the end of my journey and it's super super sad like this this is where the tears started to flow. And I was like, God damn it. Um, but the show doesn't give you time to like yeah. process that because it goes right to the scene we're talking about with Bev and Hassan. Um, and we're like, okay, crap. Like, is this it? Like, did they, did the, did the bad guys win? Like, is this how the, the show will end? Um, mm-hmm. No, because Sheriff Hassan's like, yeah, like, there was one more person here, like, and out comes Aaron. And I just like, this also kind of made me chuckle a little bit because there's so much like commotion and hubbub happen out, uh-huh. happening outside. And Aaron just like stumbles out from inside the rec center with a can of gasoline. She's like, oh, hey, everybody. <laughs> like, how you doing? <laughs> um, and yeah, like John has set ablaze the church. The church is gone. Um, and then we get a super like sad emotional scene here again because as Aaron is like thinks that she saved the day uh nope the angel comes out of nowhere and just straight up tackles her um and you get like a good like still shot if you go back and pause it for anyone who watched it of her just like in fear as the angel tackles her and pins her to the ground and starts feeding on her and we're just super sad that this is the end of Aaron's character uh but we get the 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 the, the good the the uh, I want to say good guy because obviously this character had drank the Kool Aid, um, mm-hmm. but um, the the unlikely protagonist that steps up because we we thought we forgot about um, at least I did in the moment I forgot about him I was like oh crap they're gonna win um, Ali steps up because Aaron was gonna set a blaze uh, to the rec center with a lighter, but when she got tackled she dropped the lighter. Ali steps up and is like, oh, hey. And Bev's like, give me the lighter. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, no. And he throws it and he sets the, the rec center uh, ablaze. Yeah. Thank God, Ali. You did the right thing. Finally. I think obviously seeing his dad being shot and, you know, on the ground and 
not okay is probably what caused him to finally do that. But thank God we needed that. Um, so let's take our final break. And then when we get back, let's talk more about Aaron. Okay. So this is when I was full on crying. Aaron's final monologue and what she does when this angel is on top of her, feeding off of her, is just, oh my God, just connecting so many different things. Such a great way to end her character arc. I'm not even that mad that she died just because it was so satisfying the way that we got her final monologue and what she does. Yeah. Um, so like we mentioned, the little corny scene with Lisa and Warren kind of, you know, shooting and, and mm-hmm. lighting the angel on fire, uh, you know, minutes ago. Um, as Aaron is being uh, fed on, she takes one of the knives that they took from the house and she starts to cut into the angel's wings to, you know, prevent him from flying away. And the angel starts to be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah. like, stop doing that. Um, but Aaron's like, no, I'm sacrificing myself. And she grabs the angel's head and, you know, pushes him back into her neck so he can continue feeding. So that explains all of that kind of angle when it comes to the angel is more preoccupied with eating than with saving its own life uh, at a point. But, yeah, um, the angel kind of is done eating and he stands up and just like looking around at his wings and it's like the fuck Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he tries to fly away and you could tell he's having some struggle flying um but um we get this shot this overhead shot of aaron lying on the ground with her neck and i didn't notice this at first when i know i noticed it on my second watch that her, the, her neck is just all torn up. The insides of the, the tendons and everything are just showing. And she's sitting there. And we hear Riley's voice. And this is, yeah, this, like full-on waterworks for this for the rest of this episode. Um, and Riley is asking her again as, they, as she kind of flashes back to their conversation about life and death as she is dying. And her last thoughts about being... Home, safe with Riley, the the man that she loved, and the man that loved her all along, and mm-hmm. like, God, just the shot again. Watching it of Zach Gilford just sitting on her couch, just looking over at her, smiling and being like, like I'm here, I'm ready to welcome you to the afterlife. I'm waiting for you. And mm-hmm. she talks about the idea of going back into the earth and the idea of God and being a drop in the ocean that was always there and just returning. Oh man. It's so good. It's like, I don't know if it's my favorite one of the entire show, but it's got to be up there in terms of top five, top three monologues in the entire show. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the scene is just very, very rich. Like, it's very emotional. There's just a lot of, like, symbolism coming at you really fast. And I think if there was a little bit more, it might have been too much. Like, Flanagan just trying too hard to include different things. But... I think it was just right on the borderline of being too much. So I loved it. And I think too, just going back to, you know, cutting the angel's wings, it's just kind of what she's heard her whole life and something she's kept with her is her mom saying, you know, the like, you know, we all just have clipped wings, like, you know, basically saying bad things are going to happen to everyone. And, and, you know, this is something that Aaron was hoping wouldn't happen. And she was so happy about 
having a baby and ah just so sad it really is yeah um but also you see like the joy in her eyes as she talks like she's happy of what life and death means to her and like what happens when you die and I don't know if in that final moment she's believing, like, okay, I'm going to go see Riley now or any of that mm-hmm. aspect. But, you know, her whole character has been very uh, honest with herself when it comes to the idea of life and death. And I think it's a uh, a beautiful way to show, um, I think, what will happen to the rest of our characters as well. The ones that we really cared about and the rest of the townspeople who are now aimlessly wandering because the rec center is gone the church is gone there are no buildings left there's nowhere to hide anymore on this island um their final hours and minutes are upon them um and yeah i'm so glad riley shows up in this in this finale um Mm -hmm. uh i think it's a very fitting end to his character um and a very emotional and like you said rich uh, ending to Aaron's character and the, just all the emotions and stuff that goes on um, in her final moments and watching the life fade from her eyes and knowing that you know we no one knows what happens when you die mm-hmm. and what Aaron chooses to believe like kind of uh, I would say in some sense like she knows she's going to a good place yeah. At the end, which is super like sad because you just know like as because you're, you're watching the life fade from her eyes, you don't want her to die. Mm-hmm. Um it's super powerful stuff. Um that just uh just fucking ruined me. <laughs> it fucking like tore me up inside. Yeah, I know. It was a rough first watch, but rough in the best ways. Like just incredible, but so emotional and now you know, we're coming to the end of the episode. It's like, all right, how much more can happen? Um, not too much besides, you know, the big ending. But we do get to see more closure for for a few of the characters. Um, so now kind of everyone knows the sun is going to come up. They have nowhere to go. And it's an interesting moment because I guess we know that Annie and Ed are kind of accepting of what's going on. But it seems like everyone else is as well just because they just start singing and it seems like not a totally sad moment yeah um we get yeah we get this whole vibe i think that's portrayed after the rec center burns when there's nowhere Mm -hmm. to go that okay the the chaos has settled yeah what's going on what's important to people like we see dolly and 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 wade are like let's go find lisa like we don't know and not in the way of like, let's go find Lisa and turn and her. her. Yeah. It's like, let's go be with our daughter because like that's what's important to us. Um, you know, Sturge is like, uh, he takes Howard. Uh, he's like, come on, Howie, let's go. Um, but he also mm-hmm. finds Uker, uh, you know, Warren's best friend, who is completely distraught with himself. And he's like, I think I killed my mom. And, Stur- and Sturge uh, is like, I did some, and he's like, I don't, he, it's not important as to what mm-hmm. he did exactly, right? But he's just like, I did some stuff. And this idea of forgiveness that we've been talking about um, is on showcase here because Sturge is just like, will you forgive me? And Uker's like, yeah, 
Yeah, I will. Uh, and they and those three go off, and Bev's just kind of left on her own, as she should be, to experience the end of her life because fuck Bev. Uh, um, but yeah, all the people kind of gather in town square, um, more or less, and yeah, they start singing and they start singing this hymn called "Nearer, My God, to Thee," um, which is. Again, we're not religious people, but man, just the way this entire town is just gathered together singing the song, and they're like, yeah, we're we're going to meet our maker now. Like, this mm-hmm. is the end of our journey. Near my God to thee. And I was like, okay, I'm going to look this up, because I wanted to know the name of it. And yeah. I came across an interesting fact. That this is the song in Titanic, the movie. We don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if this is actually on the Titanic, the real Titanic. But in the, right. in the Titanic movie, the violinist's start to play this song as the ship is going down. And I was like, God, that makes this whole scene even fucking sadder. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what is the background of the song? Is it supposed to be, oh, like, I guess you're near to God? Yeah, like it's the end like of... Like you're coming to... Okay. Right, like you're coming to meet him it is the end of their time, I guess. Um, but, you know, the religious meanings, I think, behind it are important. We're just, you know, ourselves, we don't necessarily know. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> The fact that I learned they played it in the Titanic movie like made this even sadder because it's like okay, as You're the sh- yeah, it's like that's it, that's it, our time is up. Um, and you know we get um, we get a couple characters. We get Hassan and Ali, um, or Sheriff Hassan and Ali. Um, they they go to the beach um, and they start to pray um, and. Like they're both, it seems to me in the moment, they're just like, I'm sorry for what I did. Like, mm-hmm. forgive me. I want, you know, uh, forgiveness. Um, and obviously Sheriff Hassan is suffering from two gunshot wounds and we got this super sad scene that fucking, it's so minor, but it fucking killed me inside because of how much I loved Sheriff Hassan as a character, um, where they're praying. And as he goes, um, to, uh, uh, I can't, I'm not, too, again, too sure of the actual mm-hmm, religious terms. But just when he's kneeling. Right. As he's kneeling, uh, he just falls over and he dies. And I'm like, fuck, God damn it. Um, the little detail really hit. So, so, so good from, from Flanagan and this directing yeah. and, and the, the cinematography. Um, and Ali is there. His father's gone. And now it's his turn to meet death his way. Um, you know, we see Warren and Lisa on a boat. They're kind of just seeing as everything is going on. They see the angel trying to fly away with its clipped wings. Um, and Lisa's like, can it make it? Like, what's going on? And Warren's like, uh, I don't know. But like, I wouldn't think so. It's got to fly yeah. 30 miles. Um, but the, 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 yeah, that's going on. The townspeople are still singing. The, the song is playing throughout this entire thing and it continues to grow and grow in uh, in sound and in, in numbers because the entire townspeople are more or less singing the song along. Um, and in uh, Sheriff Hassan and Ali's final moment, uh, moments together, who stumbles upon them but Bev? And Bev sees, you know, uh, two Muslims praying in their, in their religion and their belief. And like, to me in that moment, I was like, like good fuck you bev like you've lost your your sense of religion and what mean, mo- means most important to you mm-hmm. but 
uh, for these two people of another faith, they still have their faith in their final moments. And Bev is just watching it all transpire. And as that's going on and the sun is starting to rise, she's like, okay, well, I guess that's it, right? But no, not for Bev. Bev's like, crap, what can I do? And she starts to dig into the ground and try to, like, you know, bury herself to protect herself from the sunlight. Like, very kind of like Bill Compton-esque, like in season mm-hmm. one of True Blood, where she's like, I, I, I gotta save myself, I gotta bury you, and, you know, you'll come back. Um, but, yeah, as, like, it's uh, it's so sad. Um, give me your thoughts on it. I know I've talked a lot because there's a lot of imagery going on here, but um, the way the whole thing kind of comes to a closure is fucking it's dark it's so sad um and i don't think a show ended in a way that has like stuck with me more in recent memory than midnight mass oh yeah and this is why it's so good it's a mini series so it's not like the 10th season and we know the ending is gonna disappoint everyone no this is just fantastic and Yes, I absolutely loved Bev's final scene. It was so good. And I think, too, it's like throughout the show, she kept saying, like, you know, people have to die. This is just what's happened. Like, yep, Joe Colley, you know, God this, God that. But when it is her time to die, she will not accept it. She tries to bury herself. And I think it's just fantastic because it just shows what kind of person she is as if we didn't know but it's just another another way to show that and i just love it and obviously she does not make it and i think it's so powerful too that like you were saying everyone was singing and when lisa and warren are on the boat watching everything happen as the sun comes up the singing just abruptly stops um which we know everyone died and i think they understand that as well and it's it's crazy, and they're just looking, and then there's so much debris that's coming from from the fire and from everyone kind of being set ablaze on the island. And our final final part of this of the show is just Lisa and Warren. They look pretty relieved to be getting out of there. Obviously, they're going to be starting a new life together, without their family, without anyone they've known. And as they're kind of watching the ash fall down, Lisa tells Warren that she can't feel her legs and she smiles. She looks very relieved about it. Yeah. Ah, fuck. Why did that happen? Tell me your analysis. Yeah, I don't know. Um, And we'll (laughs) we'll talk about it. We'll give our final thoughts. But the way, like you mentioned, the the abrupt stop, uh, stopping of the song, it just, I was like, fuck, everyone's Mm -hmm. dead. Um, and like, we all, like, you know, it's coming because the sun is rising and you know, everyone's about to die, but the way he did it with the idea of everyone together in the community is, is singing the song together and it just goes quiet and just knowing that it's the end. It's fucking Mm -hmm. brilliant. It's, uh, amazing the, the way that the, the ending is done. Um, you know, we don't really see anyone really, uh, burn. The only character we see burn is the one that we all wanted to see burn, which is Bev. Um, we see her face kind of uh, <laughs> melt uh, in the same way that Riley did uh, in the boat with Aaron. And, you know, as a viewer, I was like, okay, maybe you could give me like three or four more seconds of, <laughs> of Bev burning. Just like, I wanted to see the full the full thing of like, okay, yeah. did they just like turn into ash? Um, but, um, you know, we see... Ali kind of start to to light up a little bit. Um, 
you know, some of the people in town. We it it's more the singing to show that, you know, that's it. Everyone's dead except for Bev, uh, which I love. And it's so heartbreaking to me in that moment. And I'll get and we can start talking about what it means because like the thing we know about Lisa of how well, we don't know much of her life, you know, pre the shooting and then after the shooting, we just meet her as she's, you know, wheelchair bound and paralyzed. But it seems that when we meet her, we we know that she's kind of accepting of her life and what her life is now and how important religion, religion is to her. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets the ability to walk again, it means this whole new found thing in life of being able to forgive people, forgive Joe Colley for what he did to her and everything like that. And it seems like she, now she has a, uh, a new way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when she loses her feeling in her legs again, that brings her the most joy, it seems, in those final moments. Because to her, it means that this entire nightmare is over. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a massive amount of like emotions that are thrown in. Because it's like you lost this this newfound feeling once again it also means your parents are dead mm-hmm. but it also means that this nightmare is over and you know you've survived and it's uh you know you you won in the and end you're gonna be okay yeah yeah it's it's just so many conflicting emotions that just combine into me being just a mess and everybody who watches is a mess i think because it's there's so many things to process um now, we can talk about those emotions and processing them. But what does it mean, essentially? Because, like, <laughs> has the blood worn off? Like, does that mean that the angel is dead? And that anyone connected to the angel's blood in that sort of sense um, now loses their powers and stuff like that? Maybe. It's left open to interpretation. Um, does she not actually have feeling in her legs? I think that's also maybe up for discussion. Is it more of mm-hmm. her saying, like, I can't feel my legs. This is how life was before all of this. And now that it's gone, maybe, you know, maybe she's saying that in a sense of like, it's over. I don't mm-hmm. know. I Maybe. I think that's probably the least likely thing. I think she actually can't feel her legs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, that That's something I just thought of. What does it mean to you? Because, um, yeah, uh, I think you are my therapist in this situation. <laughs> as I'm unloading all of these emotions that I'm feeling. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely tried to make sense of it pretty early on. And I mean, the most basic explanation, which I think it applies, is just that whatever power the island had just doesn't exist anymore. So everything is kind of restored to how it was before. Um, and I initially did think that, okay, the angel died. That is a kind of a logical explanation. But I do have a quote from Mike Flanagan because I had to look up some answers here um and he when the show came out he talked to the rap about the ending and he said we're not saying the angel died our hope really there was just to say that lisa's concentration in her blood had begun to tip back that she was going to be okay so he doesn't even want to give answers it's up to interpretation they're not saying one way or the other but yeah yeah um i think we know from like the show's lore that if you don't keep taking the blood and dying, like if you don't die with the blood in your system, it will fade over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, because they've been ingesting so much of it through uh, through mass, 
and stuff, they've been able to keep the the effects of it. So maybe mm-hmm. that's that. Um, but of course, for it to happen kind of in that moment would be yeah, the a little strange, right? It's a little coincidental, um, but also like you know, it's not really fair to combine show lords, but like you know, in Vampire Diaries, <laughs> <laughs> when and you know, we'll get and this will be a whole part of our f- discussion of the show uh, in the end now. Um, in Vampire Diaries, when the creator of the vampiric line dies, every vampire in that line also dies. Mm, like so, the White Walkers. Right. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> White Walkers. Um, <laughs> so it could be a sense of like that, like the source of the blood is gone. Now everybody doesn't have that, that effect anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But now that you said what Flanagan said, we don't know if the no. angel is necessarily dead. But also... Yeah, it wouldn't make sense because John had died that that would play any theory into it because yeah. John wasn't the source of the blood. It was the angel. So, I don't know. Um, but I love that it's kind of ambiguous in that sense. And I also just love that full circle of completion here in Lisa's arc where um, something that ruined her life is now a sign of of the end, you know, of yeah. this of this nightmare. It's like powerful stuff to admit in that moment, but I think it works beautifully. Um but it also fucking kills me inside. <laughs> because like she's she's happy to not be able to walk again, which is not what we would think because we saw the emotions of what it meant to her to walk again. It's oh god. Fine again. <laughs> what do you th- Oh man, what, 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 I'd say. What do you think? I'd, uh, I'll charge you by the hour for this. By the way, it's just, and I, I'm here if you want to talk about it as well. It's just, oh god, it's so heavy. Yeah, I really do love it, though. I really do. Yeah, it's what what an ending um, to the show, um, and yeah, that's how it ends. the The entire island, you know, as we saw from aerial shots of it kind of lighting up throughout the the episode and just at the end the entire thing is ablaze and it's hard mm-hmm. to tell kind of what is on fire what isn't on fire what is people we do see some like light emitting to kind of mm-hmm. show that that is the people uh leaving earth but you know it's uh it's more of the ash that is kind of flying around at the end uh in the air that shows that everyone is gone um and uh and yeah that is the uh, that is the end of Midnight Mass. It just ends on that line of "I can't feel my legs anymore," and them kind of rejoicing that it's all over. And uh, yeah, all right. Wow. <laughs> I know it's so much to digest. It's uh, it's it's the best show I've watched in years. Yeah, me too. I know. I'm like, okay, it's the best show I've watched this year by far, but. Like, when was the last time I watched the show this good? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, a long time. The Leftovers. So, I like, during COVID and stuff like that, like, right before COVID, I watched The Leftovers, and I loved mm-hmm. that show. Uh, and I started watching that because I enjoyed Watchmen a lot. Um, but I had some issues with Watchmen when it came to just, like, I uh, I was a big fan of the movie and, and the book growing up, but I was more a fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it's a big time jump, and a lot of the themes that the show goes into are like 
masterfully done by Lindelof and like Regina King and Yaha Abdul Medin are amazing in that show. But I was like, okay, wait, I'm confused as to what's going on here. Um, mm. I needed to be more enveloped in that lore to really enjoy that show. When I watched the leftovers, that show ruined me. I was like, <laughs> God, this is, this is amazing. Um, and that was part of, you told me to watch that show. Uh, I think with, uh, Matan. uh, Matan, uh, one of our, <laughs> our coworkers, um, not exactly our boss, but our boss. Um, yeah. And um, then I watched Lost during COVID with my girlfriend. And the ending of Lost, I was I couldn't stop crying during the ending of Lost. I was just yeah. a wreck the entire show. And it became a whole thing for both of us to say, I'll see you in another life, brother. <laughs> and that was our thing for months. Brother. Um, yes. But this show, uh, front to back, is the best thing I've seen, I think, since The Leftovers. And The Leftovers for me is in my top three TV shows I've ever seen. Um, so I think that makes Leftovers 3, this 2, or maybe 1. Because Loss is up there for me too. So is Breaking Bad. So many things. Um, but It's so hard just because this is like a perfect show, right? But there's only seven episodes. So it's so yeah. hard to compare it like... The Leftovers, I love that show, but I really like season one, and then it kind of went downhill for me. Yeah. Apologies to everyone listening. We're going to go into a huge <laughs> discussion now about this, because like for me, it's not fair to just compare this show to other horror media that we've watched, because yeah. it transcends it. It's not just a horror series. Um, I loved The Queen's Gambit. I thought The Queen's Gambit was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like comparing to different... Uh, miniseries. Right. Like, if I were to say the, the best things that Netflix has done over the past 10 years or so, or whatever, right? Um, I would go this, Hill House, Queen's Gambit, Stranger Things, I think would be my top four Things, when yeah. it comes to original Netflix series that are produced. Um, and I don't know if it's recency bias or whatever, but for me, that is the best of those four. And I love Stranger Things, and I love Hill House, and I love Anya Taylor-Joy and The Queen's Gambit, but... This front to back just fucking ruined me. And I I think that's what I appreciate about it so much. It's like, it's very sadistic. No, no, definitely. I think it goes places that most shows do not at all. And, and you know, I, I know we weren't really fans of Bly Manor. I wasn't that big of a fan of Hill House. It was fine. So to me, yeah, this is just one of the best things I've seen in forever. And I do love that it obviously says something that we're comparing it to just our favorite shows of all time. Yeah, I think Squid Game also gets thrown in there because Squid Game is on a lot of hype right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I liked Squid Game. But for those people who were like, Squid Game is the best thing I've ever seen. Like, go watch the original Battle Royale. (laughs) Go watch more Korean media because there's a whole world of amazing Korean media out there that people probably haven't taken in. like, I think the one thing, like, Parasite is definitely up there when I'm, like, if people haven't watched, like, Korean film or TV show before, or, or TV shows, or um, or Japanese media, or anything like that, right? Like, go watch all that stuff, because there's stuff out there that is just as amazing as it. But Parasite definitely transcended, I think, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, um, the mainstream. The mainstream, like, American consumption of media. Um, and I think Squid Game is a little overhyped. I really liked it. Um, but Midnight Mass for me topped Squid Game infinitely. And if anybody should watch, um, both, like, I, I, what I'm trying to say is I hope this show gets the praise and love that it deserves. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's gotten really, really great ratings and, you know, Rotten Tomato score, everything like that. I think it's gotten great reviews. There are a few that weren't that so weren't so great. I remember seeing, I'm not going to drop any names of publications because I don't want to be wrong. Um, but, but yeah, and it, it's interesting too, though, because I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, I think, and not to be like a snob here, but you need a very different level of emotional intelligence to get through this. So I wouldn't just be like, you know, you want something fun to watch, watch Midnight Mass, you know what I mean? So it definitely is more of a niche audience, I would say. Um, but hmm. that niche is me. I'm yeah, niche. we are niche. We are, <laughs> we are said niche. Um, yeah, I I think people who are just like scrolling through Netflix and they come across it and they're kind of like, hmm, maybe I'll try this. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're necessarily ready for it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't either. Because I didn't know anything about the show going into it. I just knew there was religious horror, more or less, and it was Flanagan, right? Um, And we do urge that people go into the show not knowing anything about it. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, totally. But you do need to be aware of, like, okay, strap in, get yourself in the right mindset for it, um, and enjoy the ride. Because it is seven masterful episodes of directing, acting writing, photography, any word of anything anybody <laughs> on the show You're worked like on. The, the Lady Gaga gif where she's just like amazing, outstanding. Exactly. Like, just all of the Superb. Words. Fantastic. It's <laughs> everyone who worked on the show, a round of applause to you because you did an amazing job at bringing this seven episode series to life. Um, and like I don't know. I love this show so much. It's like the world's not a better place because the show was made or like, you know, it's like, it's not like, it's just like all of these things that uh, I think we're so grateful to everybody who worked on the show um, and made this. And it was such a pleasant surprise from mm-hmm. what we thought of Bly Manor. Um, and I want to go back and rewatch that now. Maybe we'll, we'll revisit it together. Maybe not. Maybe you won't watch it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like Hill House definitely bought into that Netflix hype. And I think it, you know, got into an area where I liked Hill House a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But it was the point where like people were just like begging for something from Netflix that was going to be scary. Right. Mm-hmm. And I necessarily didn't need the show to be any scarier than it was. It wasn't like it was the scariest thing in the world, um, but it was just beautiful storytelling in a terrifying setting. Um, and yeah, uh, again, Hamish, let's be best friends. Like, come on. I, know. <laughs> um, I think too, this is just a really great, I guess endorsement for Mike Flanagan because he's done so many adaptations and this is an original work and it's like stick to you you write it you have better ideas you know and I know that his next his next project is an adaptation so that one I mean that'll be interesting in itself because it's based on a young adult book but he should just you know keep cranking out his own stories it's impressive yeah and let's be honest like we are uh not innocent in the sense of like okay we liked hill house we did it we bought into the hype of whatever the next one was going to be right and we set yeah. our own expectations and if they didn't meet those expectations we were going to have thoughts about it one way or the other that is the world that existed long before game of thrones season eight 
But yeah. <laughs> that was the reality of like, okay, people had set into that mindset who loved that show because it was the most popular show for years. Mm -hmm. And they all built it up. And once it was over, they were like, oh, what is this thing? We are setting expectations and we are enjoying things too much. And mm -hmm. we want things. And when they don't do the things that we want, we get upset and angry about it. Oh, that's a feeling. We've all done it. Everyone has done it. It's just that I feel like that show made it that mainstream type of vibe now. Um, mm -hmm. So much to the fact now that people don't even like... they People forget about Game of Thrones in that sense, where they're like, that's not my favorite show anymore because it was ruined for me. Um, but, like, this is a great example of don't have any expectations about anything. Just go watch a show and enjoy it because it will surprise you. And, um, yeah. That's a lot of talk about the show and what we feel about it. We didn't necessarily talk about the lore a lot. The one question I think we both have is... Vampire or angel? What is this creature? Yeah, I mean, when I watched it, I immediately thought vampire, but then I was like, nah, that's stupid. I don't think it's actually vampire. I think I've just watched too much vampire media. <laughs> say it, so, say it, vampire. Yeah, so I was sh I was pretty surprised when the show came out and people were mentioning vampires. So I was like, okay, I'm not that crazy. But I do think that it was supposed to be an angel just because I, I know, you know, Looking back at, at old kind of illustrations and of um, of angels, they were scary looking and and not like the little cherub that we see, you know, today and everything like that. So I think that it was an angel, but I haven't done my biblical research into it enough to really know for sure. And even if I have, I wouldn't have known for sure. Yeah, have you seen Legion? No. Okay. I know what you're talking about, but I've never seen it. Yeah, the movie, not the the TV show. Um, hmm. Angels are kind of portrayed in that way as well, a little bit. Okay. Um, but more, uh, also different. Obviously, it's different. No one knows what angels look like. It's all up to our imaginations. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I'm also on the board of angel. There's definitely some vampiric sense uh, and themes that go on throughout the entire show that could lead people to believe it might be a vampire. I'm glad that it's. Either Flanagan's like, yeah, it's an angel, mm -hmm. or it's whatever you want it to believe it is. Yeah. Because that's what the show was about. It's about what you believe, and the idea of what religion does to people, and not religion is an evil thing, which is fantastic, and what we talked about yeah. a bunch throughout the, the course of our review. If you're super religious, or if you're mm. not religious, like it has nothing to do with you're bad if you believe it, and you're or you're good if you don't believe it, or anything like that. It's just, this is how religion affects a community. Whoa, someone's at your door? <laughs> Literally a truck outside my window. Nice, welcome New to New York, York City. XOXO. <laughs> Gossip girl. Gossip girl. <laughs> um, no, I agree with you, though, and I think, like, you know, you and I aren't religious people, and won't get into my beliefs about religion, but... I'm not a religious person saying, I'm so glad they didn't attack religion. No, I'm not a religious person. And I think it's very interesting that they didn't attack religion. It's just something we haven't really seen before. Yeah. Uh, for what we know of like religion and shows, it's like the exorcist and all those types of things. Natalie's muted her mic and is now smiling because the truck will not stop honking its horn. Um, <laughs> beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the omen, um, the exorcist shows like that. Where yeah. it's like this idea of religion and the devil and the antichrist and all that type of stuff. The, the show doesn't do that. The show shows 
like this is religion this is a an abstract thing and this is how people believe one way or the other and you know here is uh this christian island in this community and here are two muslims and how they react to society and how does someone who is young of a different religion cope or not cope but uh like uh interact with people of a different yeah uh community who are very religious and how uh how curious ali is to the whole idea and it's so uh awesome to see how all these characters are written and portrayed and everyone does an amazing job and again the show is amazing it's brilliant it's a 10 out of 10 for me that's what that was gonna be my next question so out of 10 I'm going to say, can I do 0. 0.5 or should I just Okay, let's 9.5 from both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, people can tell if they listen to our multi-episode review of this show, we were a lot less critical on some things than we've been in other reviews. Go listen yeah. to our Day of the Dead review. I am. I gave that a zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there are some things in the show that aren't exactly perfect, mm-hmm. but... Uh, everything else that is so good about it overshadows it. Yeah, I mean it's it's close enough. I don't even think I'm not to go back into the whole discussion of other shows, but I don't think I would give any show a ten, just because shows go on for so long. There's so much room for mistakes. It's easy to give, easier to give a movie a ten than a show. That's fair. Um, yeah, nine point five I think is the fairest grade. It's the highest grade we will give to something this year by far, um, and easily because it is the best thing we've watched this year um yeah but yeah it's uh you know again also to people who are like you don't have to think critically about something and you know you could just enjoy it i'm like or you can just <laughs> think critically and choose not to think critically about things it's like whatever but like that's what we do on this podcast we think critically about some things um yeah and shows and movies that we watch so you know it's not to say we didn't think critically about it because we just love this so much it's just that it is as close to a perfect seven-episode miniseries that you're going to get, I think, in our minds. It is amazing. Hats off to everybody involved in the show, once again, from both of us. Yes. And we want to meet all of you and talk to you. And Flanagan, I feel like Flanagan, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like M&M's without me. It's like, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> like, everyone's like, oh, Flanagan made Blind Manor. He stinks. Nah, like this this is what Flanagan is capable of. Uh mm-hmm. go watch Oculus. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh I feel like people don't talk about that movie a lot. Um, I know, yeah. I think it's his my favorite movie of his because I wasn't too big on Gerald Graham or Hush. Yeah. Uh I think our coworker Gnome also hit us with his hot take. Um way back when that was one of our first episodes of like horror hot takes. Uh-huh. When he said uh, Oculus is the best thing Flanagan has ever done, which at the time people would have said Hill House because it was so widely acclaimed by everybody and was mm-hmm. on that that Netflix hype train. Um, but for me, this is the best thing he's ever done. Do more, oh, sure. do more things like this. Um, that would be an awesome interview one day, Flanagan. If you're out there listening <laughs> through the grapevine, anything, just you know, hit us up. We'll hit you up. Our people will talk to your people. We don't have people to talk to other people, but you know. That would be awesome one, one day. day. And Hamish, you're invited to come on the show whenever, <laughs> if you're listening. I, I just, he seems like such a cool person um, in all the interviews I've seen on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen him do some, but no. I think he did one with Samantha Sloyan, um, who also 
would love to talk to her because when we talked to Crystal Belint, she said that the one character she would play outside the show that she didn't play um, would be Bev. She oh, wanted to course, play Bev. Yeah. And I would love to talk to, to Samantha about playing Bev and getting in that mindset because that's got to be one of the hardest characters. Like, that's what Crystal said. It was like, I would love to try to play that character. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very hard character to get across on screen um, and to hate that much as a viewer. And I think Samantha Sloan did an amazing job. I'd love to talk. Just love to talk to everybody and anybody. <laughs> Come on the show. Can you tell that we love this show? We love this show so much. It is amazing. It is. So I think, yeah, solid 9.5 is very fair. Um, and everyone listening, just know next, like I said, next review we come with will not have this high of praise. So take it all in, enjoy it. And yeah, I don't think we have anything on the docket yet for next week, but we'll figure that out. And any last thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Um, Besides anyone from the show, come on. Anybody on the show, (laughs) you want to come hang out? Um, let's see. Final thoughts. Um, once again, thank you to everyone on that show who worked on it. It was amazing. It was a fantastic watch. Um, and yeah, I don't know what we're going to review now. I, I pity the next thing we review because we will not be as kind. No, that's not that's not how we operate. Um, yeah, no, I hope everyone enjoyed our review. I hope uh, if you listened to our review to, and then weren't too sure if you want to watch I talked to somebody at a Halloween party. I don't know if I mentioned this before. Uh, a, couple weeks, so. a couple weeks ago. Um and they were talking about how, like, ah, I think it's too scary for me. I don't know if I would enjoy it. Like, I'm not that big of a like a horror fan. Like, the jump scares really get to me. And I was like, there's, like, three jump scares. Mm-hmm. Watch it and enjoy it because, like, you need to experience it, I think. I think everybody would benefit from experiencing the show. And just the way it just starts and ends. It's brilliant. Um, thank you to everyone who listened. I don't know what we're going to review next. What are we going to review next? (laughs) It won't come close to this, that's for sure. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We had so much fun talking about this show because we love it so much. Even though we have fun destroying some shows, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun to talk about things that we love and we rarely get to do it because there's not too many things that are on this level in horror this year, at least, that we've talked about. So We'll come back with something fun for you guys. But in the meantime, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.